Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to The Climax, the new podcast brought to you by Angelica Malin and Rebecca Reed, all about sex and romance and intimacy in the modern age. This week, sadly, Bex isn't with me, so I will be hosting on my own, but I'm joined by some fantastic guests, including Alicia Grimshaw, deputy editor of About Time magazine, comedian Rosie Wilby, and we've got some surprise guests at the end who will be answering all of your questions. The show is kindly sponsored by Lilo. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. to the climax thank you so much for joining me my amazing guests um rosie and alicia if you would like to introduce yourself rosie rosie Wilby, who are you um yes i'm rosie Wilby. i'm a comedian and also the author of a book called is monogamy dead fantastic alicia who are you um hello angelica (laughs) (laughs) fancy seeing you here um so i'm alicia grimshaw and I work with Angelica about Time magazine. Ah. Yes. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll come along on this And I'm one. on a sabbatical from Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. It's, it's a true story. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I'd, I mean, I'd come in, throw my hat into the romantic ring, as it were. <laughs> it sounds and, like you've uh, been throwing your hat into a lot of rooms. Oh, Rosie. <laughs> as it were. Yeah. I'm out of hats. I'm like a millionaire. <laughs> Is that what they call them? You know, make hats. Millionaire. Maybe. So today's show is about romance and intimacy, how Mm. to create romance and intimacy. Um, So, Rosie, your book is called Is Monogamy Dead? Um, Tell us about the book. Okay, well... And answer, is monogamy dead, basically? (laughs) Well, no, you have to read the book. Um, (laughs) No, I don't believe it's dead. Um, But I was starting to wonder if it was about five years ago when I decided to follow up one of my comedy shows called The Science of Sex, which had been really popular investigation into the psychology of love and attraction through humour, but also looking at some real science and the weird ways that the brain works in love. Freud even describes it as a temporary psychosis. Um... And so I wanted to follow up that show with something else about love and relationships. And the idea of monogamy and fidelity had really come onto my horizon because I realised that I was a serial monogamist without really intending to be. But a lot of my relationships were ending maybe after three or four years. So I had this pattern and I noticed many, many other of my gay female friends had this similar pattern. And I kind of thought it, it was kind of a shame that so many relationships were ending. I mean, some of them were ending you know, very consciously kind of doing the Gwyneth Paltrow conscious uncoupling thing and we were remaining friends. But in some cases, there was some level of infidelity and affairs um, at the heart of, of why the relationships were ending. So I decided to do a survey asking what counts as cheating because I realised that in some cases it was more nuanced than just sex. And there was kind of, as well as a physical arc of cheating, there was a, a more kind of emotional, intellectual arc of potential cheating or whatever word you want to use. I mean, now it's sort of being dubbed micro cheating, these ideas like, you know, does text and email flirting with somebody count as an affair if you're not actually doing anything in the physical real world? It's, mm. it's very nuanced and ambiguous, but I guess you have to communicate with your partner. Um, so all of this kind of opened up so much thought and exploration for me that I realised there was way more than you could really say in a one-hour Edinburgh Fringe comedy show. And I started writing a lot more articles about it for various magazines. And I did a TEDx talk. And eventually the book came about. And really my journey of talking to people in alternative types of relationships has taken me on a real journey through thinking, wondering whether I could be polyamorous and really enjoying some of the language in that community, particularly if you feel you've reached your threshold of partners, you can say you're polysaturated, uh, which is a nice one. And eventually coming round to 
um, having a, a monogamous relationship, and I've been in that relationship now for, well, approaching two years, um, certainly kind of in that 18 months to two years phase, and we've moved in together, and it's going really well. And I think the reason I've been able to sort of approach relationships more positively and consciously and in a more healthy way in terms of my communication has been because I've spoken to so many people who were opening up their relationships and realised just what level of communication and vulnerability they'd had to go to to do that successfully. And I've kind of thought, well, actually, to do monogamy well, you need to do all the same things, really, and be just as compassionate and conscious and honest and truthful. Um, So it really opened my eyes about how to do monogamy better than I had Interesting. been Interesting, rather than just being like, I'm a monogamous person, that's me done, that's all my yeah. like, self-exploration mm-hmm. done. I think I think you have to explore a lot to have a successful relationship, however you decide to do it. Alicia, do you believe in the concept of the one? Do you think there's one person that's like out there for you? Oh, God, that's, you've got in quite a deep question. You know, I, get told, I get told off for doing that. Apparently, that's um, not good form in podcasts, but we're there. Um, I mean, we're there now. <laughs> we are now. Um, I think there might be a couple... I don't know if there's the one per. Obviously, yes, there's one person, but I think if it didn't work out with Dave, you know, <laughs> James might be around the corner. There's a couple of ones. Yeah, I think there is. I think it's quite to just kind of, you know, streamline it. It's quite scary to think there's only one. I mean, I was asked to write an article for The Guardian called Have I Already Met My Soulmate? Because apparently it's one of the most frequently Googled questions. Really? Like people wonder, you know, have I missed my chance? Am I with the right person now, the one? And and I kind of think that's quite a damaging idea because I think there are lots of ones. And I think it's really about a lot about the timing of where you're at in yourself when you meet that person and if you begin that relationship in a in a healthy and conscious way Um, because there'll always be ups and downs and a bit of a roller coaster Mm. in any relationship that's the thing is you might peaks and troughs one of my friends when she was getting dumped um, her partner said to her I think our relationship is a series of dips and troughs and she said do you mean peaks and troughs and her girlfriend said no (laughs) (laughs) Because that's the thing is you might have met the person that is the one, but you're not in the right place or the right state for that relationship at that time. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Goodbye, yeah. Charlie. I do, I do think people... I don't, you know, when you watch a film as well, you know, when you watch that, I watched The Notebook last night. Oh. What, what a lovely Monday film at my house. I was like, should we watch The Notebook? I was like, sure. And I, and I do think that you, you're kind of not programmed, but you know in the back of your mind you're always thinking is this the one am I looking out for the one where is the one you know <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're conditioned to think that yeah, there's one person totally. my best friend we have a guy called Simon he doesn't exist but we are convinced <laughs> that there is a man called Simon that she's going to meet at a music festival and every time she goes to a music festival I was like well Simon there we kind of have an image of what he looks like yeah. and she is going to meet Simon eventually it's oh, waiting wow. for the right time do you think that romance has sort of died in the modern age do you think because of things like mobile apps and and Tinder, do you think that romance doesn't really oh, exist anymore? I think it's a new kind of romance. Like, is booking Dick someone picks. an Uber? <laughs> <Dick picks. laughs> like, my, my boyfriend buys. Is that romantic? No, or, no it's, not, it's the most unromantic thing <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, no. Yeah, Dick pics are not the height of romance. No, they're, they're really <laughs> not. A Weatherspoon's breakfast, however. Mm. <laughs> um, I do think, though, with technology there are different ways of showing romance you know when people are like i'll get you a new but i think that is quite romantic <laughs> i see yeah i also okay. think that's romantic yeah i'll get you an uber yeah sad though we've lowered our standards so much that someone booking you a cab is romantic <laughs> the standards are pretty low but you know that's what i mean i think there's new ways to show romance so you can book flowers on, you know, you'd had to go to the florist before, but now you can get flowers delivered. Do you not think romance has just got a lot lazier then? Yeah, because oh, it's just yeah. quite easy now, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I mean... Moon pig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's nice when there's a bit of personal thought to something. So at least with something like moon pig, you can personalise it. Yes, that is good. I mean, I'm still not sold that it's that romantic. I suppose if you've personalised it. I think the most romantic thing my boyfriend's ever done is he bought me a delivery. I got home and he was like, there's a <laughs> you delivery see, that's on the way. romantic. Bought me some Mackey rolls. Lovely. Oh, yeah, nice. that is nice. I do. Yeah. I, I think with technology, though, there are pros and cons to it. I think, you know, the whole rise of the dating apps uh, and you you strike a conversation with someone 
the way in which they go about that conversation probably won't be the same conversation they would say say if you were face to face in a bar. Yes, in the but old days. In the IRL, you know. <laughs> yeah, IRL. In where, real where have those days gone, Rosie? I don't know. I know. I was a big fan of those days. I was very skeptical about meeting someone online. Although I have my partner I'm with now, I did meet online, but I'm so surprised by that because I always made good friends on dating websites and apps because um, I thought it matched people quite well in terms of hobbies and shared interests and stuff. But I kind of don't think you can really measure some of the weird intangibles of whether you're going to be attracted to somebody. That stuff isn't, you know, doesn't fit into those neat categories and boxes in quite the same way. Because um, you can but, talk to someone for like a month on Tinder and then you meet them in the flesh. And Well, it's not even the... Some people don't even put the right photos up or whatever. I remember one website I was on uh, years ago. It um, sent me my own profile back to me, but I was only a 73% match. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. I'm not even good enough for myself. <laughs> How do you match with yourself? I don't know. Just, well, we're all narcissists, aren't we? There's a, uh, there's a Jewish version of Tinder called J-Swipe and yeah. everyone keeps matching with everyone's cousins. Like with their, with their own cousin because there's yeah. not that many Jews on it. It's like oh, I keep matching with my sister. You know, it's awful. <laughs> oh my goodness, um, Alicia, what's the most romantic thing that someone's ever done for you? Oh gosh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> um, romance, romance. You see, I'm I'm quite um, I'm quite easily impressed. Impressed. <laughs> That's the word. Do you know what someone did? And honestly, I thought it was the most romantic thing ever. We had fish and chips on the seafront. I just loved it. We had fish and chips. I mean, we didn't even eat fish. It was actually a battered sausage. That was not, that's not an innuendo. <laughs> I don't eat fish. But we had a lovely time and we had, um, a, you see, I just like the seaside me. Went to the arcade, had battered sausage and chips on, on Cleethorpe seafront. Lovely. That's romantic. Yeah. Also, some people have cooked me dinner before. Again, that's really nice. Yeah, that's always a win. I wouldn't say if like they can cook. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say like you know when you go into when you um, go away and then you come back into the airport at Heathrow. I'm always you know wheeling my suitcase around, being like, "Come on, get is me. anyone there?" No, no, no. no. Oh, um, I did go and surprise my partner once. Oh, that's, that's, that's sweet. Nice. I yeah. think that's sweet. I think dinner. I've had dinner and and a bag of chips on Heathrow Seafront, which honestly. I, I think it sounds it was, like fried food is the way to your heart. Yeah, fried food. <laughs> yeah, and a Weatherspoon's breakfast. Again, another one which was, was delightful. Rosie, what's the most romantic thing someone's done for you? Um, I think that's it's really tough because um, I'm trying to remember over the years and it's, uh, you know, I'm a bit older than you two and I've had so many relationships as a, as a classic serial monogamist. Um, but I think when people have travelled a long way to be with you, that can be really romantic. Um, my partner, when I was at Edinburgh Fringe last year, which is always a nightmare for a performer, a stressful time when you can deal with a few hugs, um, she kind of drove up all the way to see me. Um, so that that was really nice. But I remember I took, sort of thinking about your fish and chips by the sea, which is so sweet. Um, my first girlfriend um, used to sometimes like come and surprise me when... Uh, Briefly, I think we both worked in town and she'd come and surprise me for our lunch hour with like champagne and strawberries in Soho Square or something, which was really nice and really sweet because, you know, nice. we probably neither of us had that much money then. And so, but I think, you know, I think we uh, we had pro- probably not very expensive champagne, but it was kind of really Everyone loves cheap plonk. Yeah. But that's the thing. I, I think with romance, you shouldn't measure romance on sort of the kind of big bravado stuff I think you know I think yeah the sort of oh I'm whisking you off to Paris for the weekend but that sometimes you feel like oh you know but I know I've got to do some big gesture back and it's all like massive pressure Mm. and it all escalates and before you know it you're buying each other you know crazy gifts and it's just it's too much Especially when you live with someone, like, I think the small things can become romantic. Like, mm. someone, like, if he does the bins for me, oh, <laughs> that is romantic. Like, mm. saving me having to do the bins or the washing up, you know? Yeah. And on the flip side, what is the least romantic? So I'm talking, I mean, this is a sex podcast. We're meant to be talking about sex at this point. What is kind of the least romantic sexual encounter you've had? Al? Probably my virginity. What happens? <laughs> um... So it was year 11 and we all went to like camping, but it was one of those, um, it was like this weird field in the middle of nowhere. But, um, 
you tell your mum and dad, you know, you're staying at so-and-so's house and actually you weren't, you just went camping. Um, and I just, I, you know, everyone was just having sex. And I, not, I wasn't the last one in my friendship group, but I just thought, oh, bugger to it, I'm just going to have sex. <laughs> so I had sex with um, a boy and it was it was awful. I mean, it was not awful, <laughs> but, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm in, I'm on a ground. Yeah. You know, I didn't yeah. even have a ground. I wasn't even in a tent. Really? It was just, oh. just on the forest floor? No, on the forest floor. Wild. <laughs> like Bear grills. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was on the forest floor, I remember. Oh, my God. Dirt in all the wrong places. Yes. Oh. Well, no, that's the thing, Angelica, is the next day, I, you know, I went home and I was going in the shower and I pulled my trousers out. There's all these bloody leaves and crap. <laughs> oh. And I was just like, oh, God. I don't know where he is now. <laughs> I hope you're well. Um, I, I agree, though, about... It's just reminded me of... Um, I think there's something romantic in theory about the sort of alfresco shag, isn't there? But it's kind of... Then in practice, it's really awkward. I remember I remember being with somebody I wasn't even dating for that long at a festival and we decided, oh, let's go off into that little sort of wooded area and we'll, you know, yeah. go and kind of get it on. Um, but I remember it was just so awkward. We're in all this uncomfortable sort of long grass. And then we realised that she had a slug crawling up her leg. And we were like, no, let's just, let's just leave this. And we'll go it, back to no, festival. it's not. It, I mean, it, in theory, yeah, it is, ooh, you know, ooh, ooh getting ooh. hot and heavy, you know, in the wilderness. Yeah. But, but actually, it's but a no. recipe for bloody disaster. Really I, I had sex in a forest once in, a, in Israel and I was just so scratched because we did it up mm. against a tree. And oh, then it was just yeah. scratches yeah. everywhere and it wasn't nice the sand no. it wasn't good also sorry just to come back to losing your virginity um y- you sort of have this idea in your head don't you about losing your virginity um that's going to be like passionate uh, yeah well maybe you, you know maybe yeah. i've watched too many american team films but um and then it happens in a you know in a rural field in lincolnshire it doesn't really <laughs> sort of add up does doesn't it really have the romance how do you think you can kind of create more romance like when it comes to sex what does good like romance look like and intimacy are we talking candles like what makes good intimacy candles is quite cliche it is and also I I had a terrible house fire and started from a candle so it's not a good good look for me don't don't try and seduce me with a candle it's bad memories bad memories (laughs) down memory lane (laughs) I've heard it first Rosie Willoughby no candles I do think yeah candles is a bit yeah, it's a, that's a bit passe, isn't it, now? What do you like when it comes to intimacy? Um, I think, honestly, if when I wear matching lingerie, I feel like I've got my shit together. I feel like I'm on fire. <laughs> Nothing can stop me. I feel, I feel honestly, unbeatable. Yeah. Well, a matching set. A matching yeah. set and a good Spotify playlist. It's got to be a good playlist. But, but the thing is, what if you don't agree on your Spotify playlist? In mm. my Science of Sex show, I used to have a, a montage of good and bad sex music at the end. And people were always hotly debating this. And I had one lesbian couple come up to me and say, well, we just really don't agree on the same music. So we listen to separate iPods. And I thought, <gasps> what? That is weird. In the same <laughs> that is moment. top 10 weirdest things I've had in 2018. <laughs> Honestly, that's really weird. You can't listen to separate music. Yes. That's like being at dinner together. That's almost like being at dinner together and listening to separate music. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. I'm not into yeah. that. I, I, I just know, put on weird. Spotify Timeless Love Songs playlist. Because we're cringy. And I don't that's care. kind of a bit cringy. Bit of 90s garage. No, it's great. Bit, bit of Beyonce, bit of Adele. Mm. <laughs> bit wow. melancholy. Do you think you have to spend money to create, like, good intimacy? No. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. I think the cutest things are often more personal and sometimes, yeah, it might be just something like, oh, I don't know, a cute pebble that was shaped like a love heart and that amazing day you spent at the beach, you know, that, that kind of thing. Fish and chips, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not on a forest floor, though. No, on a forest floor. I'm How do you think romance is different in same-sex relationships? I think some things about romance are universal and the way that we fall in love. But I did notice some interesting patterns that I talk about a lot in the book about the way gay men and lesbians have very different types of relationships and different strategies around monogamy. A lot of my gay male friends tend to have open relationships. So kind of sexual partners outside of the primary partnership. And that works really well for them because gay men actually have the lowest divorce rate of everybody. So that Mm. to them is a romantic structure you know if you're letting your partner have some kind of freedom that that really works for tons and tons of gay men um whereas lesbians tend to be more um well if you like kind of more love addicts rather than sex being the priority and they tend to be the most serially monogamous group 
of all and sort of rotate partners periodically, um, but generally have more um, kind of amicable endings because it's quite a small community and you've got to stay friends with your ex because mm. they're probably going to go out with someone you know really well and, oh, it's really complicated. Um, so I did notice these different kind of patterns, I suppose. So I think for lesbians... Um, there's almost a romance to kind of staying friends with your ex and that can be that can be problematic there's endless kind of articles on lesbian magazine websites about oh my girlfriend is too close to her ex um and sometimes i um really sometimes i think it can be a really healthy connection um but sometimes i think almost that's the some of those enduring friendships i see between ex-partners almost strike me as the most romantic of all because there's no sex there's no kind of romantic relationship in a sense anymore but those people have a history and still care for each other mm. um, but obviously you have to get your boundaries kind of sorted out yeah. with new partners because that's, that's really interesting it's kind though. of threatening i can see how difficult and challenging negotiating that is definitely it's really um it's really interesting because in hetero relationships being friends with your ex is pretty much like a no-no you know is it a total no-no well not total but i i would definitely say there's a distance level I'm, like i'm friends with none of my exes because okay. i think they're an ex for a reason like the good times finish i don't want to <laughs> But I think I've, I I oh, found that I was friends with my ex until I got a new boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And well, then yeah. new boyfriends, I was like, no. no and wait. there's a, no like maybe once a year dinner would be fine. But anything oh. beyond that, I'm not sure. I really don't know. Okay, that's interesting. But I think with lesbian relationships, um, there seems to be quite a kind of fast pace to which the um, kind of romantic part of the relationship where you're having lots and lots of sex actually kind of dies off. And there is actually, although it's a little bit cliche, um, there is actually a phrase, lesbian bed death, which was coined by um, Mm. um, a psychologist, well, many years ago now in the 80s, who was kind of investigating different relationship types. And she saw, she observed sex falling off more quickly in longer term lesbian partnerships. So I think a lot of lesbian relationships break down even though the two people actually really get on and have tons of companionship and still you know have a really good partnership in many ways but they're just not having sex and Mm. I know that does happen in straight relationships and gay male relationships and and all types of relationships of all genders combinations but I think it it does seem to have been a particular thing with lesbian couples like become too much like best mates too much like friends and the sex yeah. dies off yeah do you think that we need romance when it comes to sex like i'm kind of thinking like specifically with one night stands do you think it's important to have romance or are you happy having sex that perhaps isn't particularly romantic and just like having sex i think romance and one night stands is a bit of an oxymoron <laughs> yeah i don't think you should go in to a one night stand thinking it's going to be the most romantic encounter of your life <laughs> Or I'm being having, or I'm having the wrong one night stands. Maybe I think you're having the right one. I yeah. think, yeah, like I love one. No, surely the point of it is to to be kind of free, and there's no commitment afterwards. I'm no good at doing it anymore. I I did it when I was younger, but I I must say I'm I I'm not really in that mindset anymore. I'm interested in the concepts because I feel like there is such a stigma to a one night stand that it's, it's you know especially if girls going out and having a one night stand with a guy and it's like oh that's you know people say that's slutty whatever yeah. it is that the words that we're but trying then to the reclaim guy gets, um, but the guy gets I'm really interested in the idea of one night stands being like a positive thing but if you're like if you just want casual yeah, sex if you want casual sex and, and, and you're being safe in doing so then then totally do it I think sex is about being empowered and if, if a one night stand is going to make you feel empowered and you're happy to do that then I don't think there's any problem with it I suppose the problems arise when you want something out of it like romance or a relationship yeah then. that's the thing and that's with one night stands if one person is going in with it just purely seeing it as a sexual encounter and then the other person maybe sees it as a you know kind of a shoe in to a more romantic relationship maybe then it can get a bit you know yeah what's the word I'm looking for confusing confusing have you had a one night stand that you thought was going to be more yeah yeah I have actually really and were you upset well I got over it because I think, you know, you're upset and then you kind of wait for a text and the text never comes. And then by <laughs> next week, you'll be like, oh, you know what? That was that was fun while it lasted. <laughs> um, and then you move on from it. Do you think it's because everything's become a lot more disposable with Tinder and stuff I like that? I honestly think dating in London is horrendous. You know, I think with the rise of 
dating apps, everything, it's just like a conveyor belt, isn't it? You go on a date with someone and you're kind of feeling it, but not really. You know that by next week or even the next day, you could go on a date with someone else. It's just this constant supply, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's the paradox of choice. There's too People many People don't choices. want to settle now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They just want to keep you going. Can. Oh, there must be somewhere a better one around the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what. Yeah, so, it's the Love Island thing. Like, I'm happy, but I could be happier. That's the yeah. thought that's in everyone's heads. But you probably couldn't really. Yeah, because nobody's yeah. perfect. Yeah. We're all weird. the grass is not always greener. What's the worst Tinder date you've been on? I could. On, how long you got? <laughs> I love that noise. Oh, <laughs> how long, um, oh gosh. Um, Was it the vegan guy? Oh god, I did have a bad date with a vegan. Not that I'm saying that, that vegans <laughs> do bad dates. It was just really bad. I had a really bad meal actually with a guy as well, and I was just completely jet lagged. Actually, this isn't. It just sounds bad, but <laughs> you know when you're just there, you just literally want to go, and then you're yeah. like, oh, like, no starter. I don't want to start. Let's just go straight for the meal. <laughs> no, let's have dessert. No, I just want this made and then to leave. I've had quite a lot of bad dates um, <laughs> with with the vegan guy. You ran out of conversation. You end up asking what his favorite service station. Yeah, that was a bad oh, one. Oh wow! It's Fleet. Actually, it's Cambridge. Um, yeah, that was bad. But it's a great conversation starter. Um, yeah, I think also you know, not necessarily bad date, but so you've met some, you've been chatting to someone online for I don't know a week, two weeks, and you really get on in the sort of internet space, and then you you see you know like oh meet outside so-and-so and you clock them and yeah. before like you've even spoken to them you're just like no, no. yeah you just you're just like no <laughs> and they've probably done it in, and that's probably happened to me but yeah. it's and you're li- and you're thinking to yourself fuck i've got now i've gone this day yeah, with yeah, someone yeah. and i've got to be bright and be sparky but deep down you just know that it's not going to work. But then also, conversely, you can have great sex with someone that you don't have good chat with. And, like, the two don't always marry up. Like, you can have yeah. a great date and bad sex. So it's... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Not always. It's yes, true, this is actually. true. I, had, I once true. had a really kind of really sexy fling, um, kind of well, many years ago now, with this um, woman who was she was really awkward and really socially awkward and really bad at conversation. But I ended up back at hers and and kind of she ended up just kind of launching herself on me. And then surprisingly, the sex was really really hot. But I was kind of really taken aback by that because it had been so socially awkward. Yeah. yeah, and you just don't really know. Yeah. I mean, what if you meet the one and then it's awful, you know? But I don't think you could have a relationship with someone you couldn't talk to, could mm. you? <laughs> no. We'd just have a sexual relationship. Yeah, it would just be one dance. level. <laughs> just communicate by dance. Yeah. I did once have um, an internet date with someone who brought along like a sort of panel of her exes. I guess a bit of expats, a judging panel. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, that was very weird. I got out of that one fairly quickly. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. Very interesting chat about romance and intimacy and sex in the modern age. If people would like to find out more about you, where should they go? Um, well, I'm on Twitter at Rosie Wilby. Um, so that's one of the main places. Also, Facebook, Rosie Wilby on there as well. And um, yeah, the book is available on Amazon and lots of places, Waterstones as well, Foils and lots of cool indie bookshops. If you if you like going into actual real bookshops, um, it's at some really cool shops in London like Gaze the Word and Bookseller Crow and Houseman's. So do check all of those out. Fantastic. How about you, Alicia? Um, it's weird when you call me Alicia. 
Um, <laughs> what do you know me, Al. She's called uh, me Al. Try to be professional. She's she being professional. Um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm Alicia underscore Grimshaw, and I write for a lovely London lifestyle magazine <laughs> called About Time Magazine. uk. We need the hits. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. And now, a word from our sponsor. The Climax is brought to you in association with intimate brand Lilo. Swedish-born Lilo is one of the world's leading brands for designer-led intimate products. From high-quality pleasure objects to bedroom accessories, candles and condoms, they've got something for everyone. Lilo is a little like us, driven by an insatiable curiosity, a desire to explore and refine the boundaries between sex and the 21st century. Lilo is all about the quality, a heritage brand based on craft, unexpected innovation and being entirely different from everything and anyone else. For more information to explore your own sexual desire, visit www.lilo.com and we're offering an exclusive discount for the Climax listeners. Use the code lilo for you to receive 20% off products. Thank you to our sponsors, Lilo. This part of the show, kindly sponsored by Lilo, is where we explore different sex toys every week and Rebecca and I try out different products and we talk about them and we let you guys know how we got on with them. So Jelly, what did you try this week? This week I tried the Tiani 2 which is a, it's an unusual sex toy and not something I've tried before. It's basically um, a small kind of silicon um, shape which you wear internally during sex. So the idea is you put the toy in and then you have sex with your partner and it vibrates and it has a separate couple's massager where your partner can control the speed and the tempo of the toy. And you wear it internally. You can also wear it for like solo play, but they say it's more designed for couples together. And what did you think of it? Like I said, it was an unusual toy. Um, I don't think it's a toy that's for everyone, but I think that it can really like add to your sex life and it is quite fun, especially if you're looking to like spice things up, like we talked about in the first episode, and perhaps your sex has become a little bit like routine. It's an interesting toy to play with. Um, it's quite discreet. You put it in and then you can have sex with your partner and both you and your partner can feel the vibrations of it. Um, it's also good that it's customizable so you can change up the intensity. I think that's probably the funnest part about the toy is that it's fun that your partner controls it. Usually with sex toys, you're in control, but it's fun that your partner can hold it and, and he can he can play around with it. Um, I think it's a great toy if you're kind of intimidated by using them because it is quite discreet and it's quite light. It's quite a good like entry-level entry-level toy for playing around with. What I also quite liked about it is that it has eight different modes. So for a relatively expensive toy, it's £119. For a relatively expensive toy, you get quite a lot out of it with eight different modes. You can change it up quite a lot and it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't get bored with. And also because it's something that you wear internally, it kind of works with every position so you can adapt your sex life around it rather than just being like a vibrator or something like that where you can only use it in one position really. So in that way, it's quite versatile. It's also waterproof so you can like use it in the shower you can use it in the bath which is quite fun and it's also just discreet so it's a good one for travel because it's quite a small toy and it's the kind of thing you could put in like hand luggage and no one would see and also like all Lilo products it's the same charger for all of them so you just have this one charger that works for all their toys which is great and if somebody wanted to buy it where could they get it from? so if you'd like to purchase the Tiani 2 it's available from Lilo.com and it's £101.15 and we also have a special 20% off um, code for our listeners the code is Lilo for you and that will get you 20% off anything from Lilo.com. So, Bex, what did you try this week? Well, so what I tried this week was the um, the Aura from Lilo and also the Lilo massage candle. Uh, what do you think about the products? The Aura is, it's honestly, it's such an interesting sex toy. Um, so it's sort of designed to mimic the feeling of oral sex. So it has a, it's quite hard to explain, basically. It's sort of circular, it's circle-shaped, and you put it against your clitoris, and it sort of has this internal, like, almost like a bead underneath the toy that goes round and round, and it sort of circles your clitoris, and it also has a vibration function. I mean, like, it sounds very technical and not very sexy, but it feels amazing. And again, I'm a huge fan of this idea that if you're using sex toys regularly, you do yourself a massive favour by using sort of different sensations. Because if you're constantly using the same thing, then it becomes very difficult to orgasm from something different. So by doing this, again, you're sort of varying what you can orgasm from. I tried the massage candle as well, uh, which is, it looks like a standard candle but you burn it and it has a very, very low melting point. So the wax turns into a sort of like massage oil. Who do you think these products are good for? I think this would be a great toy for all sorts of different people. 
Um, if you're a couple, you could use it during sex. You probably need to be in sort of doggy style or something like that. Uh, cause you need very free and clear access to your clitoris because it's quite, it, it's, it's not big, but it's not tiny enough to fit between you. Um, it's probably more of a masturbatory toy. Um, it's really great for either somebody who has had quite a lot of toys and, you know, wants something new and exciting to experiment with. Or alternatively, it would be good for somebody who maybe doesn't necessarily enjoy the classic vibrator. I think a lot of people would give up on masturba- masturbation because they don't enjoy the sort of standard feeling of quite a buzzy toy. But actually, there are so many different things you can use. I think that a really easy place to start if you want to improve your intimacy with a partner or you want to kind of um just bring a little bit of excitement into the bedroom is, is a massage candle. It's such an easy, brilliant way to do it. Um, and all you do is you light it, you burn it for a bit, probably about 45 minutes is ideal, but 15 minutes would do it if you needed it to. And you pour the hot wax and it's really, really not very hot. Like I promise you it doesn't hurt. On your partner's skin, you spread it around, maybe you massage them, you kind of use it to really feel and enjoy their body. It's a very easy thing to use, particularly if you're not super kinky and you don't want to be, you know, swinging from the chandeliers. It's very simple, very classic, and really really incredibly enjoyable the scent is great it also leaves your skin really moisturized it's the perfect place to start if you'd like to experiment a bit more but you're not feeling you know like you want to go super super hardcore and if you want to buy them where are they available from the aura is available from lilo um and you can go on the website and you can use our discount code uh lilo for you to get 10 percent off and yeah, it's the Lilo massage candle. It's easily available on the website and it's also available with our Lilo user discount. Well, this part of the show is called Ask Me Anything, where we get some random guys off the street to come and talk to us and ask them questions that you've always wanted to ask someone. So we put it out on social and I get lots of DMs from people asking questions, which we're now going to ask you. So today we're joined by Jack. I'm Jack. Hello. And Simon. Hi there. Thank you for joining us. And Alicia is with us. Just thought I'd stay. Thought <laughs> <laughs> so we'd hang around. Um, so, Simon, starting with you, I'd want to know, what is the most romantic thing you've ever done for a girl? I think pretty much the most romantic thing I've done for a girl was a few years ago on Valentine's Day. I was in quite an early part of my relationship. Um, and it was probably the first major Valentine's Day. Well, I think it was probably actually the first Valentine's Day that we'd had together. Um we were both still living at our parents' house, but my girlfriend, um, my girlfriend had a free house, and I went over, cooked a whole dinner. We had this beautiful dinner with wine. I made a really nice risotto, hot telengi recipe, and everything. And then after dinner, just as we were thinking about going to bed and all that stuff, I told her to pack a bag and got a surprise hotel room in Shoreditch, and we spent the night there, and it was beautiful. Listen, how do you rate that for romance? That is very romantic. Would you be impressed if I guided that for you? Yeah, I think that's nice. I have to say, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I mean, for me, it'd probably be a travel lodge. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say hey, there's it nothing wrong with a travel lodge. <laughs> yeah, I'm more, yeah. Of, I'm more of a premier in nowadays. <laughs> um, Jack, what's the most romantic thing you've done for a girl? So I can't really think of any specific really romantic moment, but um, I was in a long-distance relationship and I used to send flowers in the periods where we didn't see each other quite as much so we're seeing each other about every three to four weeks and if it was any longer than that I'd make sure to send like flowers in the middle of that period oh that's nice and then I would always pick her up from the airport when she came to visit as well that's funny because we were just talking in the last um, segment about how Alicia's kind of dream romance is that someone's there at the airport for her when she walks out with some flowers wow there you go my mum's yeah. done it to me once with a nice your mum's very romantic <laughs> yeah sorry I mean in a, in a in a nice way not in a romantic way what um okay what's the most the least romantic sex you've ever had is it a one night stand you can be honest we can share I uh okay I've had a very unromantic sex before <laughs> go on share with us um one specific moment was about 3am driving home Stopping on a quiet street and then having sex on the bonnet of my car. Wow. Was it during summer? Yeah, it was summer. Yeah, I was was thinking frostbite. (laughs) Was it not romantic? 
I don't think having sex in the middle of the street is very romantic, to be honest. <laughs> Al fresco. Yeah. Simon, have you, had, have you ever had a very unromantic encounter? I would say that the one that sticks in my mind is one that started off quite passionate and then very, then by the end was not very romantic at all, which was on holiday with a group of friends. We were in Croatia and Havar and there was like a day party and there was a girl that I got to know and we ended up at the end of the party going and having sex on lounges on the beach and then at the end I've noticed I just realised she was on her period and it wasn't a pretty sight so that ended up being not very romantic on that topic a question that I have been asked a lot by people is do guys mind about having sex on a girl's period Jack, how do you feel about it? Um, I don't really mind that much, to be honest. But I think if you're going to do it, just don't do it in bed, like do it in the shower or something. Also, I suppose know about it. No, yeah. no, it's a big yeah, point. Yeah. Sounds like with your lounger no, story. No, but you've, yeah, the you've, problem was is that it was a shock. No. You don't want to have that as a surprise. And also, yeah, but it's also happened to me before that, like midway, they're like, "Oh, I'm getting my periods." So and I then. Don't... I think you're ready. That's like my worst nightmare. It slightly depends yeah. on the timing as well. Like at the end of a period, it can be different. You know? Yeah, at the end of a period, it's like you're not even right. on a period. Yeah. Unless, yeah. how do you feel about sex on a period? Great. You love yeah. it. I mean, also, it feels better anyway because you're more sensitive. Yeah, aren't, aren't girls also kind of more aroused during that period? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a lie. I mean, not aroused because it's sometimes you just want to yeah. eat chocolate yeah. and, you know, be woomy. Yeah. But. On the other side, I, 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 I'm, I'm not against it. So this week's show is about romance and intimacy. Do you think that we have lost the art of romance? Like in the modern age, we've been talking a lot on the show about sort of Tinder and terrible Tinder dates that Alicia's been on. Do you think it's hard to keep like create romance in, in the millennial age? I don't think so. I think that the, the, the obvious thing to say is that apps, uh, you know, make, make everything much more disposable, and that they. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> However, apps are only a means of getting to know someone. I don't think that there has to be the death of romance after you met someone. So whether you meet somebody on the street in everyday life or on an app, I think romance is romance. And if you're a romantic person, then the, you know life throws plenty of opportunities at you to be romantic. I don't know that. I don't, perhaps we have to make a slightly bigger effort given how easy it is to meet people and also just to never talk to people again. Um, but no, I definitely don't think it's dead. I suppose it might be the calibre of people that you're meeting on an app, perhaps. Just think it's on the experiences that has had aren't the kind of people that are looking for like a romantic relationship. I also think that maybe, I think romance isn't dead, but I don't think it's the same that it maybe was like 30, 40 years don't ago. Don't just make a good point. And thank you, Alicia. And uh, one of the reasons is that I think chivalry is on the wane. And Would you say chivalry is dead? I don't know if it's dead. I think it's on the wane. I think there are certain people, I like to think I'm one of them, <laughs> that try to remain chivalrous, like opening doors first and just little things like that. You do but have I think to be more courageous you have today to, be, to yeah. be chivalrous. Yeah. And you have to do things that are considered kind of against the grain and a yeah. bit old-fashioned to be chivalrous. But I also like think... Like paying on the first date. Yeah, I think a um, lot of girls open like doors, it, especially in the, in, in, given everything that's going on, people kind of find it refreshing almost. Yeah. To be chivalrous. A lot, yeah, I think also a lot of... I think a lot of guys, like, find it a bit embarrassing to, like, go and buy flowers for a girl they're dating. And that shouldn't be, like, something cons- that's considered cheesy... I think yeah. also, like, with the right kind of rise of feminism, there is more of a thing now that, like, chivalry isn't necessary and in some cases can be a bit offensive. The girl, like, I think guys think girls don't want to be treated in that way. And they, uh, in a, as you said about taking a girl out for dinner, like, would you find it romantic if a girl offered to pay or, like, took you out for dinner on, like, an early date? I think if a girl took me out for dinner on an early date, it'd be lovely. The pay, I think pay, I kind of separate paying slightly. I think paying is just a different thing. Some some men prefer to pay. Some people prefer to split. Like I think that's a separate thing. But taking you know, if a girl wants to take a guy out for for dinner or you know, yeah, why not? Mm. Do, do you like to be taken out for dinner by someone? Um, I think it's I think it's a nice gesture. It's something that I never really thought about because I always, when I was younger, it would always just be like fifty fifty splits, or I pay one, my girlfriend pay the other. And then more recently, I experienced the other side of it where I was always expected to pay. And then the times where 
I this was in a specific relationship and the times where then she would offer to pay for dinner it would be like a nice gesture but I think generally living in this day and age it should be more or less equal with a bit more onus on the guy to make the effort on certain occasions um, but I think it is the 21st century so I think it's a bit archaic for the guy to always pay for stuff mm. I think a woman um, has to show willing to pay yeah. but at least like for you would it be if a guy didn't offer to pay on a first date would it be a bit of a no-no no I, no, I don't think you should rule someone out for not paying on the first date I think I, th- I always when I go on a date I always agree to pay half or so that you meet in a bar they get around I get around they get around didn't you go yeah. to, on a date once where the guy was like oh drinks are a bit expensive here <laughs> Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, that was a turn-off. Yeah, did you, that... like, drop a hint? That, <laughs> that was a bad thing. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, say... It... Now, if you go on a... You're dating someone, and this is maybe the second date, and the guy said, I want to take you out for dinner. If a guy says, I want to take you out for dinner, to me, that strikes them as saying, "I this is my treat, I'm going to pay. Mm. So that happened to me. A guy was like, I'm going to take you out for dinner. I was like, great. And we went out for dinner, and then we got the bill, and he's like we're going Dutch and I was like oh okay but in that situation you can't really go well actually yeah but yeah exactly it's how you phrase it if you yeah because I thought he was taking me out for dinner Mm. and I and then the robots was dead and then it yeah I know what I mean so that was a first date so we went for drinks on the first date yeah and then it was like the rounds, and then he said I'd love to take out for dinner on the second date and I was like great and then he went Dutch yeah it's rude I mean, I think even if as a guy you're prepared to pay for the first date, and I actually think it's nice to pay. I think it's nice to, for the guys to pay on yeah. dates in general, yeah. you know, where possible. Whatever. I, th- I think there's something quite nice in it, but it's always nice for the girl to offer. But that's so it's a, nice yeah. to offer, and then it's okay to turn it down and be like, no, 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 I've got this. But it's in a weird way from a guy's point of view. It's almost perhaps it's a slightly superficial way of judging it, but it's almost a mark of like decency so she oh that was really nice so she offered to pay she's not here to like mm-hmm. freeload or or whatever that's I, I feel I find that's quite nice but I have been on dates where I've got like I've been oh I'll get the next round and they've a- actually been quite surprised that I've even thought about even suggested it yeah but I like that you know on the topic of intimacy during sex how to what extent is it a big deal for you if a girl doesn't have an orgasm during sex um, I think it is a big deal. I think sex is always better when both sides are enjoying it and both sides orgasm. And I think, yeah, I think it's definitely in the long run. If you're having sex where only one side is getting that level of pleasure, then it can't. It can, there's only a limit to how good sex it can be. Mm. Oh yeah, Jack. What are you, Jack? Agreed. <laughs> Very simply, yeah. Do you think um, it's a hard conversation to have though? Like, if a girl has a an orgasm, like, how do you well, broach it? It's much easier for guys to orgasm. Um, but I think I enjoy, I enjoy giving a girl pleasure, so that's also part of it for me. Mm. Um, so to know that she's orgasmed and enjoyed herself, that's great. Mm. Um, and obviously the longer you are with someone, the more time you get to know them and the easier it becomes. Um, so, yeah, I think you can't always expect to make the girl orgasm, but be something. it should be something that you're trying to do. Mm. This is a big deal for you? Yeah, massively. Like, would you say something? Um, do you know, I was dating this guy and I uh, fundamentally, like, I, you know, I think you've got to take some time into foreplay, you know, it's all, you know, people rush foreplay, you don't rush foreplay. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like saying you don't want a starter. <laughs> well, I don't know, it's yeah. not, but, um, so he would just... <laughs> 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 <I> was... <laughs> Thinking, oh, canapé, I don't know. Uh, and I get you. I like you, know, you want to be amused. Your boosh wants to be amused. But he went from kissing to like straight sex yeah. within mi- mi- minutes, and it wasn't. It felt. And, and well, like, I think the foreplay thing is like super, super important for both, but particularly for women because I get the feeling that for men to orgasm, you basically have to be stimulated and aroused. And to be honest, like men can orgasm in a huge range of different like sexual experiences. Whereas I think for women, it's much more about, like, mood, being in the moment, feeling calm, like, feeling part of the thing. And, like, foreplay is a huge part of getting you to that mental state. Yeah. So that when you're having sex, like, actually you can feel 
all the pleasures they get you to orgasm yeah you know zero to a hundred for men can be you know a much more simple quick direct route than yeah. it can be for women yeah like women need to be warmed up and like that process of like relaxing into it and everything like that do you think that sex toys can kill the romance I've uh, I've never used sex toys never so, no never really um, well, I've never... would you be open to it though um, I don't see the need for them, um, but yeah, if, so, if you know someone wanted to try it, I'd, I'd try it. I'm interested that you've never tried them. Has a girl never like suggested that she wanted to bring one into the bedroom? No. Really? They've got a whole well, life I mean, size one. Right what do you here. mean by what do you <laughs> mean by sex toys? You mean like dildos? So like vibrators, dildos, like anything of that kind. Yeah, no, not nothing like that. Interesting. I think it can. I think in some ways it can spice up sex but I think it's interesting what Jack was saying because I think as men I share this as well there's an apprehension that basically whether implicitly or explicitly the involvement of a sex toy can cause the man to question whether he is sufficient mm. and and actually I think sometimes it's just like it's an addition or it's something different or it's but it's almost like like the sensation of changing positions can can create different feelings during sex so too can the addition of a sex toy but i think actually for you know if we talk about like sex in the 21st century and female empowerment and the use of all sorts of toys and extra things i think one of the challenges is how do you make men not feel like this is in some way replacing some of their kind of like roles yeah in feeling intimidated by it emasculated maybe a little bit have you used sex toys in, a, in like sex with someone no, it would go horribly wrong. <laughs> I wouldn't trust myself. I've used sex toys on myself and I think they're bloody great, aren't they? My legs fly off. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're taking that Tinder break. <laughs> yeah. That long sex Angelica, are you uh, just dishing out my secrets? <laughs> Tinder shaming you. Thank you so much to our wonderful guests, Jack and Simon. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for joining us. Angelica's the only one clapping. I feel bad. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this show, you can find out more by following us at Jelly Malin and at Rebecca CN Reed on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so more people can find the show. There'll be a new episode out every Monday. Thank you, guys. a candy store production hosted by angelica malin and rebecca reed produced by van connor sex with os by mobile steam unit appears under creative commons 3.0 visit candy store productions at candystoreproductions.co.uk planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 